Welcome to another episode of The Photo Bug. And here are your hosts, Jim and Fred. Hi, and welcome to The Photo Bug Podcast. I'm Jim. I'm Fred. Are you okay, Jim? I'm okay. Jim's tired. I don't know why. I am. But he's tired. Oh. Good year, or is it Firestone? <laughs> well, you know, we're actually, we're, we're not just tired once. We're tired multiple times, so we're retired. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're retired. <laughs> All right, let's. let's yeah, we wanted. Yeah, we thought we would uh, actually mention here because on our YouTube channel we had a couple people complain about the Happy Tripod. I assume that's pronounced correctly. That uh, we reviewed not too long ago, and they said that it took forever for them to uh, get their tripods. One guy said he has yet waited, waited for months and he's wrote to them and I don't know what the problem is there. Mine was delayed because it was a Kickstarter project and there was some last minute adjustments and then of course there was the supply chain issues after the pandemic, the backup in customs, etc. So mine took a couple months longer than normal, but at that point the tripod wasn't really on sale. But now they had a pre-sale on it and yes. the tripod is now available. Fred ordered one and how long did it take? I ordered it in June, but when I pre-ordered it, I got a discount price. At the same time, they said it will not ship until August. I went, okay. So August came and I got an email finally that said it has shipped. And uh, they gave me a estimated time that it would take to get here. And to be honest with you, it didn't get here the day they said it got here the day after. Oh, no, they missed it by day. Missed it by day, but here it is. Here just to prove that we both have one now. We're both proud owners of a Heppy uh, tripod. And we haven't gotten a chance to really give it a lot of... Uh, Jim has used his... Uh, I've used mine in Newfoundland when I was on the okay. recent trip. I'm about to take it. Uh, the only problem I had is, uh, and I had an issue with the little feet, and I had mentioned that these unscrew, and then you have to turn a little spike around if you want to use the spike. And I looked down as I was leaving uh, a location at uh, St. John's, and it was missing. It was not there. So we retraced our steps back, and fortunately I found it. But uh, just a word of warning that if you do that, you're going to make sure that it is carefully put back in yeah. there tightly because I, oh, mine fell off and I didn't even know it until uh, And I, I have not later. used that feature. I've uh, gotten a chance to use it. I have not been able to put it through its paces as much mm -hmm. as Jim has. The only thing that concerns me right now is that this lever right there is what controls and ball again, head. you can always use your. Yeah, uh, and you can. You can take this right off. You could put. I could put my platypod platy on there. On there platy yeah. But I want to see how this works because other than that, it's pretty solid. Um, it's Swiss Arca compatible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't even have the plate that came on it on there. It's stored away because both my cameras have a plate built into the strap. Yep. And I just put that on there, and it seems to work. So and I had no problem with the Arca yeah. plates. And also, this is kind of neat on this little head. We mentioned this. It's got, for your iPhone or your smartphone, you right. can put your phone in there and snap it in place and you can use your phone that, on the tripod. That seems, well, let me put it this way. That, that seems like overkill, but it works. several times I have seen people take handheld pictures and... Well, if you're doing it, something like time-lapse or long exposures with your phone... But, but even when they're doing handling. landscapes, you can tell that they, they weren't straight. Their mm -hmm. horizon was crooked. Mm -hmm. And some people, that doesn't bother me. It bothers to an extent, yep. depending on what the, the landscape looks like. But yeah, especially you're cocking since, your horizon 
Oh yeah, yeah, and doing this, and I've seen a few. It's just off a little bit. It's just disturbing. It's just disturbing to people like us. Like that picture frame. If you if you do the other where you're doing what is that called Dutch uh, Dutch angles? Yeah, I guess it's all right. I've never been a fan, but if that's what makes you happy when you do it, motion picture thing. Yeah, yeah. At, At any rate, just wanted to let you know. So we haven't had the horror stories. If you do have problems let us know not that we're gonna be able to call and say you know we know somebody at the company no we don't if anybody from happy is listening yeah hey you've got some customers out there that are a little frustrated one guy did get his but he said it took five months uh the other guy said companies ignored him so so far i'm happy jim's happy we've we've got these little gems they're not very heavy about three pounds roughly in the case they're nice travel and the nice thing about them is that I had a travel tripod before this. It was not quite as tall, but it was much fatter, yep. even in the case. And that that room is everything because if you can't put this, and these with are your, carbon fiber. Well, you go back and listen to the yeah, uh, yeah. Go back and we can tell you more about our, it. Uh, podcast, uh, not only the podcast, or go to YouTube if you don't want to have to watch the entire podcast and you will talk about it and we're on youtube make sure you hit that subscribe button there you go because we will be doing more with these and letting you know the long-term effects if the ball head is good or if you should put your own on it or how everything is working on it so far so good because jim is saying it worked very well for him yes it did so and we do have some news yes we do and fred's gonna start with i will start with that okay well, Canon executives were recently asked about the lack of third-party lenses for their RF-mounted mirrorless cameras. Definitely been a concern for both Jim and I because mm-hmm. we now have the that's we have that RF-mounted mirrorless cameras. So here's what they told a group of Chinese photography journalists: Canon executives stated that the company is open to the idea of third-party RF-mounted lenses and is in fact in talks with several lens manufacturers. Now, while this sounds promising, Canon is much more reserved and deliberate when it comes to allowing other optical manufacturers to use their RF lenses mount standard. Yeah. Uh, Let's so, face it, they'd rather sell you their lenses than buy a Tamron or right. Sigma. So far, they're, I think I understand they've made one agreement with one lens manufacturer, yep. but I looked at what they were offering and it wasn't anything that I was interested in, so we'll have to just see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I have my EF adapter, so yep. I've been using that. Well, are you really into macro? You have yeah, twenty eight hundred uh, between that twenty eight hundred eighty five hundred dollars to spend. Well, check this photo out. Uh, Chinese lens manufacturer uh, Venus Optics is back with a second generation version of its highly unique, clever probe lens. The and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. The Laowa twenty four millimeter T eight two X macro. Uh, Protubi. <laughs> it's like its predecessor. The new Protubi lens offers a wide-angle field of view and impressive macro capabilities combined with a tubular design that lets cinematographers and other creators place and move the camera into situations that would be difficult, if not even totally impossible. Know, did with you, traditional you see lenses. the length of that thing? Holy yeah, cow. That's but I've seen also the images that come out of it. Yeah. And, uh, fascinating so really it's more for cinematography and and two things if you have that kind of money to grab one of those please talk to us because we would like to have you uh invest in us we would like to review or 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 you can adopt us yeah if you have the kind of money to buy some of those lenses those are i've been tempted the eighty five hundred dollars is out but if you want to send us one we'll be happy to review it (laughs) there you go well go ahead 
that. Oh, that's I, right. I think you're up. That's me. I have to talk about smartphone images. Yes, you do. Well, the quality has definitely come in leaps and bounds in the past decade, but not every phone delivers results that hold up to pixel peeping. But the exposure, color, and noise performance increasingly outstrips the requirements of, that most people have. At a time when social media is the main destination for most photographs and smartphones, they are the, well, the destination for your photographs is, is social media, and your smartphones are how most people mm -hmm. view them. And um, they pass the good enough threshold for most people some time back. So why isn't mirrorless camera IQ improving at a similar rate? There are a number of factors, but it's not because large sensors are missing out on the latest technology. One reason is that the smaller sensors on phones require more technological issues to produce good images. Yeah. Uh, we, you know... They have a room full of engineers working on the cameras that go into the big three, yeah. whether it's Apple, Samsung, They're, or Pixel. The technological challenges of those little sensors and the smaller lenses is a, a lot more than it is with so they the mirrorless. Have, right. the, they have the to make that commitment if they're trying to, because those big three are fighting with one another, saying, look, our phones are cool and our cameras are even cooler that are built in. Mm -hmm. You want us. You want our cameras. And yeah. Jim and I used two of the big three. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. And, and I do take pictures with my smartphone, yep, yep. but not selfies. <laughs> I'm not no, selfie we're not selfie people, really. Well, California-based drone manufacturer Skydio, known for its autonomous follow me drones, has confirmed it will now discontinue its consumer line of drones effective immediately. That's yeah, interesting. They just can't sell DJI. It's just pretty much got the market wrapped up. I guess it's just too hard to compete. And plus, and plus they, all the restrictions now being placed on well, that's consumer drones. Too, yeah. Yeah, the new FAA restrictions with the IDs and, well... Well, Audubon recently hosted the 2023 Audubon Photography Awards. As an experiment, they asked the winners to submit a text describing their winning photo and then submitted the text prompts to a generative AI program. Here are the results from a number one photo. Which is real and which is the AI? Yeah, we're going to have to wait here a moment so you can check. Is it the one on the left or the one on the right? Ah, scary, isn't it? Yeah, mm. you can see which one. In each case, the AI-generated image looked real. Yeah. Look, Jim and I are not going to say we're against AI. We just are worried about the misuse of it. Somebody could grab his image, my image, and turn it into something where I go, wait a minute, I took that photo, and they go, no, 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 no. There was AI. AI. Yeah, the problem, I have a problem with the AI-generated images. Uh when AI is used in our software, I know Neo uses AI a to lot take of the, some right. of those routine tasks the we did. Post-production, yes. And um, I'm all for that. I think that's great. But when AI is doing it all, I have a problem with that. And we got some additional AI news. A judge recently denied a request for someone to copyright an AI-generated photo. Yeah. If the request will likely go to an appeals court and probably will end up in the Supreme Court. So we'll have to keep following you know, this and that, let you know what happens. That's going to be a problem. If yeah, somebody I, takes a, an image like that that was scraped from the Internet and and then wants to hold it up as their own by art, copywriting it. Artificially produced and says, yeah, I want to copyright it. Well, well wait a minute. Do you, are you the copyright holder or is the AI engine the copyright holder? And here's holder? the funny part. <laughs> somebody then down the line could grab that photo and AI generate it into another version, what are you going to do? Sue them? How are you going to do that? That's going to be tough. Well, I think it kind of comes down to the uh, 
thing where PETA sued over a macaque that stole a guy's camera and ran off and uh, took pictures of right. itself, and the guy tried to copyright them and claimed that he had it, and PETA said, no, 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 the macaque owns the copyright, and the courts finally said, no, a macaque can't own a copyright. So is that going to come down to the same thing with the AI, the AI, the guy, the I can't count an artist or a photographer, but the one who put in the text didn't really generate that image. It was the AI engine yeah. that did. So yeah. who really owns it? And AI probably can't hold a copyright because it's not a person. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be, yeah. Things yeah. are going to be interesting, but you can't stop AI. It's like trying to stop the wind. Oh, We've yeah. heard that said recently, and we agree. Yeah, I just think some so. of it has to be controlled. Well, let's go to our yeah, we feature... Have interview Fascinating. here. We got Peter Daisley all the way from London that's going to come in here, so uh, we'll stop chatting. Let's go ahead and bring Peter in. We have a very interesting guest with us today. Of course, we always have interesting guests, and we have all the way from London. We got Peter Daisley. Peter, so thank you so much for coming on the Photobug Podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for your interest in my work. Oh yes, your work is uh, fascinating, and uh, definitely we want to go ahead and talk about that. But first, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself? Just. Give our viewers just a little bit about uh, who is Peter Daisley. Well, I am uh, a born and bred London photographer. I was educated in the uh, 1950s and 60s at a wonderful school in London called Holland Park. We had 2,500 pupils. Um, it had amazing facilities, including a large swimming pool, three gyms, woodwork, metalwork, engineering, technical drawing office, domestic science, language laboratory. And finally, it had studios and dark rooms. Um, I was taught to use plate glass cameras using plate glass negatives. Um, I think the best thing about that was that photography discovered me and got me going. Um, I was struggling hopelessly at school with dyslexia. Um, I didn't know that, and I don't think the teachers knew anything about that. I was in a class of 50 boys. Um, my form teacher used to have a cane above the blackboard called Brother Sunshine that he used to beat us with. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I mean, I now wonder whether he was enjoying doing that. Heaven knows what was going on in those days. Um, and in the Easter holidays, age 15, I, I saw an ad in, in an evening paper in London um, for an assistant with an advertising studio. Um, and I went along for an interview with my mum and uh, to my amazement they offered me a job and I never went back to school again <laughs> and started my career in, in photography um, even in my first job in, in 63 we were still printing logos off glass plates to put on artwork um, it's a tiny speck of time not even a lifetime that uh, we've gone from getting our hands wet to um, shooting digitally. Um, and also in an advertising studio, I was amazed. I was um, 
I was surrounded by amazing skills of um, illustrators and um, airbrush artists, paint-up artists, typographers, people doing hot metal, um, hand lettering artists, where you could see the talent dripping off their fingers, huge skills, which have now pretty much, you know, in typography, which is such a wonderful thing, is now pretty much replaced by Macs. The whole world has kind of changed. so I'm now 75 and I'm slowing down and uh, I've done quite a few books on London and um, um, Sam Landers in uh, in Chicago of Trope Publishing kind of reached out for me to uh, um, the possibility of doing a book. Um, he came to London, we had lunch and uh, um, agreed everything and then within a short period of time because most of the work that's in this fine art book was produced over the last decade so I was able to deliver it you know within a couple of weeks and um, it just went super smoothly Um, and the book was sent off to the printers uh, in April and um, last week I got my first copy to uh, get my hands on which was lovely and that's the book Monochrome Monochrome yeah and that's is that available through Amazon and all the uh, the booksellers Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or any good bookshop, and it comes out in, in October. Oh, cool. great. <clears throat> well, we've got uh, your website up here, and it talks about, and we want to go over some of your photographs because these are fascinating. First off, I uh, when I had my camera store back in the 70s, I was also strongly into black and white. It was kind of my market niche because nobody else was doing it. Everybody else was color. And... Uh, that paid off for me anyway so I'm glad to see that there's still uh, photographers out there that are still into black and white well I mean I do think a digital photography has color or black and white yes I mean, that's yes simple thing um, the, the, what I was kind of doing was um, in advertising you might work with a, gr- a great stylist or a great hair and makeup artist or a set builder or something and to me it was the, the delight of going back to a process that was in the 1800s mm-hmm. and just as you invite a stylist or a hair and makeup to a party to in, to make you look good um there's a 31 um paul and max Caffella, 31 studios in gloucester um are the leading black uh, um, platinum printers in the country and so it's buying into their skills and ability and also to push them as well to try and experiment and do different things with the process. Hmm. Well, let's talk about some of the pictures that you had. And I'm assuming that the pictures on your website are also the ones that are included in your new book that's coming out? Yes, the book the book um, features um, flowers and things and x-rays and mammograms, um, anamorphic and solarization so um, a lot of the stuff on the website uh, there are there are nudes so be careful what I say here um, <laughs> um, but tastefully shot nudes with masks and things but that may be the next book if if this book is successful for um, for Sam and his company then I think we may pursue that idea we're going to the, the book is slightly um, tongue in cheek it is a, a DIY book and at the end of it there's a whole um a whole section on the process itself with pictures of the uh, prints being made. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, we've been fascinating. Years ago, Fred and I, I don't know if you're familiar with a photographer who's based in Florida, uh, Clyde Butcher. <clears throat> Clyde Butcher is a uh, black and white photographer. He shoots with a large, well, he used to shoot with large 11 by 14 black and white okay. negatives. He would go out into the Florida swamps, yes, and he's he often... Yeah. He's called the Ansel Adams of Florida because of it. And everything, of course, is black and white. But uh, let's get back no, to your photos here. I'm, oh, Chris brought it back to me. I did actually go and visit his gallery. Oh, did you? Down in the... Yes. Yeah. Well, the reason I had mentioned that, we were fascinating by... We did a whole thing of his darkroom and his process and how he produces these large prints. So, uh, and... Since I was in black and white, I know what it takes. I'm fascinated with your X-ray images. We want to talk a little bit about those. You have a nautilus shell, crab, lobster. Um, I suppose that I'm, I'm always kind of looking for interesting things, people or or places to to, to work with, and um, and. I've done a lot of books on London, and that's about blagging your way into places to be able to photograph them. Um, and so it's really the chance to... I love experimenting. I love experimenting, making mistakes, and um, blagging my way into a hospital um, in, in the evening when there's nobody around and saying, can I just put a few of these things in the X-ray machine and, and see how they work? <laughs> um, and uh, it's an interesting thing because of the different amount of... Um, a power you put through them and how it affects them and also if you're photographing um, things with metal in it, it's all very different but um, I just I just like the way of seeing inside things and one of the one of the pictures um, is of a tulip which um, which I did on a mammogram which has the most amazing kind of fine detail mm-hmm yeah, we're looking at the picture right now as a matter of fact so these were actually done on an x-ray machine I didn't know if this was a a special technique that you had done, so let's keep your hands out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's good for birth control and other things like that. But uh, and right next to that, you got a solarized rose. You want to talk a little bit about that because that's also I love the look of that. It almost looks um, like a charcoal sketch. It's it's um, solarization, which its technical name is the Sabata effect, which is named after. I can't remember Mr. Sabata's first name, but it's named after him. Um, and it, it's a matter of um, of kind of reversing the blacks to white. It's 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 um, it's when the image is kind of flashed in process. And it reverses. So that, yeah, the so blacks it, and whites. Fun story. So th- so this goes back in time, mm-hmm. but um, so um, so solarization. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting story about um, Man Ray who worked um, with solarization. And that occurred after his muse, Lee Miller, who was who was a model and became a wonderful photographer of fashion and war, um, a lady worth um, looking at. And Lee, Mar- Lee Miller was in his darkroom uh, processing his film and um, a mouse ran over her foot and she screamed and turned the lights on and turned them off quickly. And so they rediscovered solarization, of which um, of which he went on to do a lot more of his uh, lot more of his work in solarization. So it, it's it's again experimenting, and um, it was a lucky accident. And, <laughs> yeah, well, he, he just rediscovered it. Yes. And, 
And so working with um, 31 Studios, I was able to kind of push them a bit and uh, get them to experiment for me, which, in fact, they, they turned out very grateful about that because they, you know, I love, I love working with creatives. A lot of my advertising work, um, I work with really top art directors. And every so often you kind of end up and you're, you're, you're shooting an ad and you think, this doesn't look right to me. This looks really odd. Why are we doing it like this? I don't get it. And then the job goes off and then, you know, a couple of months later you see the campaign running and you go, wow, these guys took me to somewhere that I would have never got on my own. And that's one of the lovely things about working with with other creative career, you know, to, to, to bring something else to the party to, to kind of make me look good. Well, good. I, I, again, I love the, uh, the images you've got here. A beautiful shot of the solarized sunflower. Yeah, an X-ray of a uh, a sand scorpion. Yeah, that made that made actually ended up as a, um, a a CD cover for the scorpions. And scorpions are interesting. You know, they glow under black light. Ooh. They glow oh, kind of a, a green color. They're not sure quite why, but they uh, you can actually find scorpions at night if you're in an area with scorpions just for using a black light. They actually kind of light up. Okay. Mine was quite dead when I photographed them. <laughs> That's the best way to handle them, by the way. Yes. Well, I have to, I have to say that I think I liked the uh, starfish. Starfish, yes. That was because of what you pulled out with that x-ray. You, you see, I could see this either as art or in a science book, either one. It's one of those where it's just very detailed. So uh, I saw that and I went, wow, that is... That is pretty cool. It was a Christmas card that year that it came out. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yes, a star would be appropriate for a Christmas but, card. But, you know, it's just, it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and you've taken some pretty creative um, avenues towards, you know, getting the photography, the results that you want. So that's, that's what I think intrigued both Jim and myself. Yeah, the Nautilus shell, that. too. I mean, it, it has that nice... Yeah, I mean, that, that's a beautiful thing. That's that's the um, the amazing thing of nature, how perfect it is. Yes. And it, the x-ray reveals that so nicely, too. So these so, days... Go ahead. You no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, so these days, what are you... What things are you pursuing? You've gotten that book... You know, it's on the shelf, so to speak. It's ready to go. It's out there. What, what's your next move? Well, there's quite a bit of ne next moves, like getting the, getting the fun and joy to talk to guys like you. Um, <laughs> Actually, it's our pleasure. We enjoy talking to guys like you. We're trying to get publicity for it and trying to get, um, you know, I, as I said, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be successful for uh, publishing. Um, so at the moment, I'm spending a lot of time on doing that and... Uh, I'm working on a press release and things that um, we're going to get going. I mean, I'm, I, it's it's difficult. I'm always looking for, um, for I'm always looking for for new ideas and new things. You know, I, I love seeing ideas, but not ripping them off, but thinking, oh, that's something I could do a bit better or something like that. It's um, you know, I love the idea of having. There have been a few occasions when I haven't got. I think one of the important things for everybody is to have a camera with them, which nowadays mm -hmm. isn't a problem. It's, everybody's got a phone yes, exactly 
the um, the, um, uh, the the idea of things that I missed because I didn't have a camera with me, uh, you know, and and one of my favourite pictures, um, which is up on the website somewhere, is um, um, my twelve-year-old being born. Um, oh. I'm in a hospital. I'm sitting up by my wife's head, and the, the team and the surgeon are, are, are doing a cesarean. And um, in my usual way, I'm just blagging. I say to the surgeon, could I just, you know, take a couple of pictures? And he said, um, well, hang on a minute, I'll bring the screen down. And I got two frames of, of Indigo's first breath. Oh. Uh, I mean, a, a really moving picture. And of course, being a complete idiot, I decided I'd whip this up onto uh, social media rapidly. Um, and was somewhat taken aback by the emotions that I caused in people from good and from bad. Oh, yeah. You know, this, we shouldn't be seeing things like this. So of, of all the things that I do, if I can create an image that um, creates emotion, yeah. people are over the right. moon on that. Yeah. And You've so got... That's, that's how having a camera with you is a kind of fun thing to make sure. You've got two pictures behind the... right behind you on the wall that are fascinating. Well, tell um, a little bit about those. Both is from exhibitions. Um, the um, let me get this right. Um, this one is um, in, a, in a very swish restaurant in in London called Oxo, uh, where we just um, put an exhibition up around the restaurant. And the other one is um, an exhibition at the Royal Photographic Society. Um, I was in Bath, I think, at the time. So they're, they're just bits of fun that. Um, we have posters done for them, that's all. I guess it's self-promotion. I mean, you know, you've got to, got to remember, um, photographers, you know, are, are all full of insecurities and uh, and um, rejection on the kind of on a daily basis of why you might get a job or not get a job, you know, mm -hmm. it's not. Uh, and, there, and there have been great, great photographers who've taken their own lives as well. People like Donovan and Carlos Clark committed suicide. And you kind of think, you know, I, I guess it's it's going to be very difficult for the next generation of photographers. You know, the, the young kids that I see, um, they put their work on Instagram and uh, and their friends like it and uh, tell them what a great photographer they are. Um, but, you know, how are they going to monetize it? You know, they're, yeah. they're you know, overconfident in, in their ability. Plus, they have, they have tutors that are telling them that aren't telling them the truth, they aren't telling them the realities, otherwise they'd have no bums on seats. And, and really the way that... Um, I've just bought uh, a new iPhone 14 Pro. Mm -hmm. It's an enormous file. It's, you know, I'm going to be shooting much more on a phone. Oh, there are, <laughs> a lot of photographers are doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. But this is, this, is, this has moved on somewhat. I mean, um, there are in excess of 800 engineers working on the iPhone camera alone. Right. Um, a speck of time, if you're, if you're um, owning Canon or Nikon, you must be having uh, trouble going to sleep at night, I'd have thought, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, hey, um, we got an iPro, uh, iPhone uh, XF 13, the previous phone. Well, I was shocked at what this camera does, mm -hmm. shooting huge raw files. And, 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 and the, one of the interesting things, um, at Christmas, I was in Florida with my family. Mm -hmm. and, um, we were on the beach in Naples. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's some nice shots. Um, 
so I'm shooting on a rather expensive Nikon camera and my kids are shooting on the iPhone and they were shooting against the sun so it's not easy mm-hmm. my, my pictures were okay but the iPhone pictures were just fantastic <laughs> I mean just mildly better at dealing with the mixed light mm-hmm. um, just, just I mean I was just shocked at how good it was dealing with the, with the backlit um, subject Tell me another thing, too, with the technology. Uh, what's your thoughts on AI, these AI uh, generative photos? I just checked that you're sitting down. Is, I'm sorry, what was that? Check that you're sitting down before I start on AI. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's huge. Um, it's advancing at an unprecedented rate. Um, it's great at it's great at um, it's 20, 20% better at getting um, uh, lung scans for cancer than doctors are it's great at doing uh, um, it's uh, there's so many things it's great at I mean like there's a thing in the paper this week where it's actually scanning drivers and it's managing to sort out who's driving without a seatbelt or who's using a phone and pursuing them for that um it, we have AI news readers. I mean, it's difficult enough to know what you know what we're watching anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, another nice bit in the um, get ready for the world's first AI election. As recent fake images of Donald Trump and Mike Pence show, uh, there are fears that computer-generated scams will swing the polls. Mm. Um, so th- this leads on to, um, as I said earlier, that I'm wildly dyslexic. And I recently gave a talk to my youngster's school. Um, and so having a superpower, it's like problem solving. How do, you, how, do you, how do you solve problems? So I have to make a speech to a big class of kids. So I put into um, ChatGPT three words, school, dyslexia, and speech. And I end up with two pages instantly. Mm-hmm. So rather than do it myself, I give it to one of the boys to read out, um, just to make it easy. Then I put into AI, what are the dangers of AI? And worryingly, the answer that he gave me was, there is a risk of superintelligence. If you are not careful, we could all become, AI could become smarter than humans, leading to a situation where we lose control of technology. This could lead to an existential threat to humanity as we can no longer influence our own destiny um, let alone the people that will find their job replaced by AI um, it's really to me it's part of creatively in music and photography it's like um, the copyright cat is already out of the bag to some extent I don't see how we're going to get it in governments seem to speak very loudly of how they're going to control AI mm-hmm. but I think we dream on of that actually happening um, and Jim you know my your picture could be my great picture tomorrow afternoon and I could stick it in there and say turn this into a Picasso you know how are you going to come you going to come sue me what are you going to do about it you know it's it's you know it's I mean recently there was a photographic competition in this country where one of the guys um, won the prize and then came out and said he'd done it all together on AI and it was like a couple of women and um, I, I think if you go, think in time that we had a lot of painters that um, 
were quite good at painting, but weren't particularly good at fingers. And this particular finger, you could see like the, the, the girls had like a handful of sausages. Yeah. You, know, you, could, you could see that it wasn't quite right, but this, this is irrelevant because this is now within a speck of time. It learns, it doesn't forget. It will get better and better. And, uh, you know, AI is just scraping the internet for imagery. Yes. To steal. It's also, uh, it's killing. Uh, I used to sell quite a few uh, images as stock photos, and uh, agencies now can just go to the AI, generate what they want. I saw one recently. It was a, uh, a travel for Paris. It was the Eiffel Tower. And it actually put right down or generated by AI. So some photographer lost a sale of a uh, good picture of Paris because of AI. So well, I think I mean we're, we're still ongoingly troubled by the fact that everything on the internet should be for free. You know, it's like yes, how, yes. How will the creators of the future be able to afford to create if they can't and monetize what they're doing? Yep. Yep. You don't want to make. A sad. Um, <laughs> well, here in the states too, we have a uh, an actor and writer strike on, and a large uh, part of their arguments has to do with AI. And also, you have two very old men trying to be president. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't need more yeah. artificial intelligence. We need some real intelligence. <laughs> well, I did. I, I, on, on, when Trump got elected, I did put some money on. I'd, I'd put quite a lot of money on it because I thought it was a time for redneck middle America didn't want another Bush or a Clinton. <laughs> As we were progressing, I was thinking, and, we, and then Stormy Daniels came out and we had girls being grabbed by the pussy and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, you kind of, I thought my money was, was gone, but clearly America wanted change. Yes. Now we have the conspiracy theories that, are, you know, that the world is running with. Um, but, but, you know, as, as, a, as a Londoner, I, I, you know, America's full of so many great people, young people. Mm -hmm. How do we, is it just totally money that ends up the way that we do? Yeah. Mm. No, you're, you're so right. I love that Trump was saying that, you know, the Ukrainian war with Russia, he said he could solve that in 24 hours. <laughs> I just heard that recently, too. Um. But yeah, but the other thing about the iPhone, I think, is um, it, it's opened up photography and the ability to take good pictures quite simply. So it's it's made it more fun for people. I know I know we have um, people that like Polaroids, but you can't really do much with the Polaroid. You can't really send it anywhere. That's true. Um, um, and I, if I can upset the whole of your. Um, your listeners, um, you know, I, I don't really quite get the idea of shooting on film. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I came from a film background, and so did Fred. Did, yeah. So, uh, in fact, I still have uh, Ektachrome in my refrigerator here, which I haven't used in, oh, I won't say how many decades it's been sitting there. Stops over or under, could you shoot on your on your Ektachrome without being completely useless? Right. Now, you have amazing latitude, amazing... We never viewed film in the same way that we view a digital file. Yeah. Film was sharp. Um, and digital cameras are, are great at dealing with mixed lighting and long exposures. Um, the latitude is amazing. Um, and the other thing about film, I can, I can hear people moaning and complaining in the background, 
um, you know, when you've got a great image on film, the first thing you do is scan it, so it immediately becomes second generation. Whereas a digital file, for me, is like a negative. It's a starting point with just amazing opportunities. Yep. I can hear people switching off now. <laughs> well, we want to, we're running out of time here. We want to have you... We always ask our guests to give some advice to new photographers or even um, advanced photographers. What piece of advice would you have to give to a photographer today? Um, always have a camera with you. Experiment like mad. Try different different lenses, you know, um, different lighting. Um, do pictures that you're proud of when you've got them sign and date them put them on the wall you know put them up there for people to see I think it, it, you know it's it's about um, just experiment I think experimenting is a big word you know you can do all sorts of things try all sorts of different things um, you know and some of it will, will go wrong and maybe you'll dis discover some kind of different way of doing it that, that's really exciting we had a, a friend that we used to photograph with that used to call that getting stupid he said, I guess what? It's something that's just totally ridiculous that uh, nobody else would think of doing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to tell you a little bit about the book and, uh, mm -hmm. and the process. Um, so the process is designed by um, William Willis. Mm -hmm. It was devised in William Dixon in 1876. And um, it's um, starts off with um, handmade French watercolour paper, which then is applied with a platinum emulsion by hand with a goat's hair brush. So it's a, an art form in its own right that you can actually apply emul emulsion to, um, to a glass of paper without any runs or drips. Um, it's then exposed by um, an ins negative, so it's the same size contact print. Um, and whereas in the old days it would be um, exposed by sunlight or daylight. Um, now they expose it with um, ultraviolet light. So the printer sits down with the ultraviolet light and goggles on and uh, dodges with his hands the light and dark bits like you would with a bromide print. And then it goes into, um, goes into developer and unlike a bromide print, it comes up instantly, woof. Um, so you can, it's not like a bromide print where you can leave it in a bit longer or whip it out a bit quicker. Um, and it is an amazing, it's an amazing process, uh, amazing skills that you're relying on the, the printer to do. Um, they are, they have amazing tone qualities and um, they have um, um, a huge lifetime. They will last a, a, you know, a very long time. So they're a, they're a joy, absolute joy to be working with. Well, we actually appreciate it. We want to urge everybody to go out. And your book is coming out when? October. October? can be um, ordered in advance from Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Amazon. Or good book. And we're going to put your website up here, down here, so people can go out and check that out, too. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming and uh, spending your time with us here. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity of talking to you guys. Thank you so much. Well, Peter, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate uh, you taking the time, coming all the way from London, England. Hands across the water. Yeah, hands across the water. I didn't get to say water. that at all, cross, and I, I was thinking that. Big pond. Yes. <laughs>
So, so we got more fascinating people coming and more reviews coming up. So I uh, want to make sure that you uh, go out there. So I'm going to be out traveling here recently. I'm going to be out uh, going and chasing elusive images, just like we wanted you to be out there chasing. And we'll catch up to each other yeah, later on. The Black Hills Photo Black Hills Shootout Photos. coming yeah. up. We'll be catching up with at that. Yeah, uh, end of September. I guess it's the next to last weekend this year, and there's still time to sign up for that. So... Yeah, we want you chasing those elusive images because... Uh, Anytime you can get shutter time, it's always a great time. And with that, we'll see you next time on The, the Photo, Photo Bug. Bug. That's it for this episode of The Photo Bug. Be sure to check out our Facebook page. And please check out and subscribe to The Photo Bug YouTube channel. 